Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast and the Class. Breakfast and the Class today is sponsored um, in loving memory and Lilunishmat Angela Shohet, Onjil Bat Lulu by the Edmund J. Safra Synagogue uh, and fa- uh, family. We wish uh, the entire Shohet family and all of the, uh, uh, gra- the grandchildren and even the great granddaughter, Nechama, uh, as the Shiva comes to a close, Bezat Hashem, she will be proud and satisfied in Gan Eden, uh, inshallah. Breakfast on the class is also dedicated to loving memory and Lilunishmat Michelle Newman, Alea Shalom, Malka Lecha, Bat, Moshe, Ve'esterachel. By the Newman and Shamsian families, we've got also to know uh, both both of the products of those uh, families, and they are L'Shemu L'Tif'eret, and uh, we know that uh, Malka Lecha in Shamayim is, uh, is looking down with such joy and such happiness at the two of you and how, you're, how you've grown into your roles in the community in such a beautiful way. And we're looking forward, Be'ezrat Hashem, to many simachot, b'sha'at tovah mutzlachat, very soon. The B'nai Saskar writes something unbelievable. He says that one of the reasons why we read the parashiyot of Matot and Mas'eh during this period, always, they always fall out during the period of the three weeks of the nine days is because we need the pick-me-up. We're suffering, we're thinking about churban of destruction, and we need the pick-me-up. So in these parashiyot, the one we read this past week, you know, about the fact that the, you know, the, we're going to divide the land of Eretz Israel amongst all these people. The fact that we have matot and we also talk about the traveling in the desert, coming to a close, arriving at the, uh, at the footsteps of, of Geula. Amazing. It's, uh, it's something that, re- that rejuvenates, that inspires, that excites, that reassures that things will get better. And I was struck by this comment because I think it actually fits with something that you, uh, that you read in the beginning of the parasha, and that is the incredible, the uh, overwhelming power that words have. And this is so important. And let me explain what I mean by this. Let's take a look at the beginning of the parasha. The beginning of the parasha, we are told, uh, and Moshe speaks to the heads of the tribes, Moshe Matot, Lebnei Yisrael, These are the words, this is the thing that God has commanded. When a man or when a woman, they make a neder to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they swear, they swear they're not going to do something. His words should not be made chol. He shouldn't profane his words. According to whatever he said, so shall he do. We've spoken about this in many different iterations and many different ways. But one of the things I think um, that, you, that you notice coming out of this parasha is that the pasuk is enjoining, it's commanding us to recognize that our words are Kodesh. Lo yachel devaro. Don't make them chulin, don't make them profane, don't make them mundane. Now there's a very big difference between uh, breaking your word and not having your words be Kodesh. And let me explain what that means. In Havdalah, every single week we say, uh, to separate between holy and mundane. 
anyone could tell the difference between, uh, you know, keeping and breaking your word. But there's a much finer difference between having your words be holy versus having your words be mundane, having your words be regular. Even if you kept your word, even if you did not break your word, it's still possible for your words to become chol, mundane. I'll give you an example as to what I mean by this. The Khatam Sofer writes that when a person promises something, as an example, let's say I promise I'm going to give $180 to Chai Lifeline for the bike by Chai uh, that uh, Nathan Lowe is going on low-key. This is a shout-out for anyone that wants to get involved in a nice tzedakah. Okay? So let's say I decide I'm going to give 180 to this uh, special, uh, hopefully I'll give much more if you're listening out there and you're considering giving more. But let's say I give uh, 180 to this, uh, to this amazing thing. Uh, why did I say I want to give the 180? You know why? Because Nathan's telling me you don't know what these guys help. Families, children with cancer, children with terminal illnesses. The families need so much support. And I hear all about this. My heart is melting. He's showing me pictures of whether it's the camp or the bike ride, Shema Israel. I'm crying. I say $180. It is possible for me to give $180 and for my words to be chol, mundane. The Hatam Sofer says, I want you to notice the Pasuk. The Pasuk says two things which seem to be the same. If you swore you're going to do something, you promised, don't break your word. According to what you said, you should do. Those two things are the same. If I did what I said I was going to do, then I didn't break my word, correct? I gave $180. Says the Khadam Sufayr, no, it must be, you see, from the fact that Pasuk needs to tell you both, that you could give the money and still not have fulfilled your word. If I promise you, I'm going to be there for you. You're going through something, you know what? I'm promise, I promise. I'm going to be there for you. You have my full support. I could be there for you and still have not kept my word. Says the Khatam Sofer, look at these words. Kechol, just as Kechol, like it came out of your mouth, so shall it be done. If I was, if I was crying, if I was excited to give that money, and I promised from a place of passion, from a place of uh, compassion, from a place of enthusiasm to give the money, and then he needs to chase me 15 times for me to pay the bill, then I didn't give the money the way I promised the money. Promised the money with heart, with energy. I promised the money in a way where the guy, I promised the support in a way where the guy feels supported. If you promise you'll be there for them and the guy needs to call you eight times until you actually turn up, until you give him some words of encouragement, then you didn't fulfill the promise the way you made the promise. Kodesh and Chol, sanctity and mundane are, are the exact words that illustrate this idea. Sometimes it's not about breaking your word. It's just not about fulfilling it in the way you made it seem to the person. You know what? Go out, borrow the money. Anything you're missing, come back to me. The guy feels great. Okay, I'm going to go. I ask, I borrow, I got half the money. I come back, I have half the money. See if you could borrow more. The guy comes back, he's got three quarters. See if you could borrow more. Right? The guy finally comes back, he's missing $3. 
You're like, yeah, I have two dollars. Hatzlacha. I didn't keep my word. If I gave him three dollars, then I did. I I didn't break my word, but I sure as heck profaned my word. It lacks the kiddushah, the energy, the fire, the zeal, the sanctity of, of what I felt when I made that promise. My friends, when I read the B'nai Yisachar for the first time, I really thought it bothered me. Here we are in the Churban. Says the, the rabbi, you know why we're reading this parashiyah? Because it talks about going to Israel. Who cares? It's not like God said to me, now you're going back to Israel. It's not like the Pesukim are saying, you know, if you say this at this moment, this is going to happen. Because it talks about going to Israel. Because it talks about the Jewish people receiving the land. And I learned the most beautiful lesson. You know why words are so holy? Because they can make such an impact, even if they are not directly promising anything. Even if it's just reading verses about going to Israel, that's enough. Our rabbis tell us that when Yirmiyahu was giving the prophecy about the Jewish people being driven into exile, God told him, go get Baruch ben Neriah, go get your, uh, your, uh, your student to write up a contract and to buy a field in Eretz Israel. Everyone's leaving. Obviously, no one wants to buy real estate in Israel as they're being driven into exile, right? That's the worst real estate deal you could make. But he tells him, you just told them all to leave, go buy a field. And he writes up a contract. Again, just think of this. Could you imagine they're packing their bags? Yirmiyahu comes in and says, uh, your backyard. He just told them they're leaving. And they're not leaving, they have a Kabbalah for at least 70 years. The guy's like, yeah, I want to buy the field. The reason why Borei Olam did that was, even though it didn't solve anything, sometimes the right words and the right feeling and the right uh, uh, compliment, even if it doesn't solve the problems, can dramatically shift the way we deal with the problem. I, I want to uh, maybe perhaps expand on this um, uh, from, from just a simple experience that I had this past week. I shared a shiur on Shiva Saiba Tammuz called Unpacking the Three Weeks. It's a long class. About an hour, the class was about an hour, and then about a half hour, people asking, I was asking questions on the live that I was responding to. I got a few messages from a few very special people. You know, it's not always, it's not, it's not as often as you'd think that a person, even a person that listens consistently, will send you a message to tell you, I heard this, I was feeling this, this really helped me this way. People think that you get it all the time, you don't get it all the time. But when you do get it, and you get it in the right way, it feels uh, like a tremendous uh, um, responsibility to make sure that you're always giving these words of Torah, because you never know who's going to be there. There might be 10 or 15 people that are listening to it live, but there's all these people out there. And I got two messages. And both of those people responded, completely separate life stories, from completely different places. One person is a person with a debilitating physical disease. Uh, one person is a person who's just a mother of, uh, of children, who sat down, she's crying and she's listening to the class, and they both picked out the same example that I used 
And it made me realize that it is not the domain of rabbis who give classes to be able to say something that brings a person such a salve, such a, a feeling of healing into their hearts. It's just the right words in the right time. And a lot of times, even if those words in your own eyes don't have all that much power, hearing those things in that time brings such tremendous comfort because it was the right words in the right time. So how does a person, if we don't know the power of our own words, if we don't know what effect our words can have, so how are we supposed to say the right thing in the right time? Because anyway, you don't know. And my answer to that is, say a lot of things in a lot of times. And then you know what happens? The more times you play the lottery, the more often you win it. If you throw a hundred compliments down in a week, you know what, 98 of them just kind of went like this. But two of them, two of them brought a person to tears. Two of them, two of them got the person through a week. Two of them got the person off of a cliff, off of the ledge of a building. And I must tell you, I remember one time receiving a phone call from a young woman who unfortunately was dealing with a terrible, terrible challenge to the point where she felt that her life was not worth living. I got a long, long, long handwritten letter from this girl that I knew a little bit that should come to some of my classes in London. And she tells me, you don't know how you changed my life. And I still remember exactly what it was that you said. And she writes me exactly. She says, I almost remember it word for it. It wasn't even recorded. She happened to turn up at my house for one of the classes. And she writes me down, you said this, and you explained the pasuk this way, and you gave this story. I must tell you, I read the letter and I started crying. And it was weird. You know why I started crying? Because I did not remember saying the Dvar Torah. I didn't remember the example. I didn't remember the story. It was something that I'd read, that I was feeling, that I was... I shared and I shared it. I couldn't even remember saying the thing that saved this girl's life. I remember saying it. And why was I crying? Because I thought to myself... How many other things are there in my past that I don't remember saying? Either that have changed a person's life for the good, or barminan, barminan, have changed a person's life for the worse. How many little pieces of advice did you give, which you didn't really think all that much into, you know, when people come to us and they say, you know, what do you think? You know, what do you think about this deal? I'm going out this girl, da, da, da. what do you think? I must tell you, in that moment, people do not realize the responsibility of that moment. Because you know what? In that moment, we all become tremendous ba'ale ga'ava. Arrogant pieces of garbage. Guy came to you. A woman came to you. You know how many times they thought of coming before they had the courage to come? 
They came to ask you a personal opinion about something that matters hugely in their life. All they've been thinking about for the last month is, should I shift into this other job? Should I give this girl or this guy another chance? Is this a negative sign or a positive sign? Should we try again to get pregnant? Should we... Da, 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 should, they're thinking nonstop, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They come to you. How many seconds did you give before you gave them your advice? Zero. You know what I think? Did you even let it land? Did you even think, did you even make sure you had the details of the question down before you gave them the advice? Your words, my friends, are holy. They are Kodesh. What does Kodesh mean? What does holy mean? What do holy words look like? You know, when we think of holy words, I think oftentimes we think about praying. Those are praying as holy words. Torah, holy words. But we don't think of a random conversation with a friend as holy words. That's just shooting the breeze. Sitting around the pool, having a conversation. That's not Kodesh. Yes, it is. You know how I know? Because on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we do this. For a lot of different things. But we do this for the letter Yod. And what do we say when we pound our breast and say how sorry we are with the letter Yod? Ya'atznu etzot ra'ot. We gave bad advice. That's a sin. So before you waited zero seconds, giving bad advice is a sin. Now, there are some commentators that explain bad advice is a sin we're talking about when you told the guy, oh, don't buy the company so that you could then go and buy the company. But we find in the Torah that it's not just if it benefits you that giving bad advice can be a sin. In fact, there's an Isur de Oraita in the Torah. The Torah says, In front of a blind man, don't put a stumbling block. If you know that a person should or should not do something, and you don't say something, that's considered like you put a stumbling block in front of a blind person, and when they then fail or lose their money or get married to the wrong person or whatever, that's on you. That's ya'atznu etzot ra'ot. Why? Because as we just said, you see a bad etzah could bring you to isur de oraita. So my friends... Giving your friends advice, sometimes is more important than giving them money or giving them anything, advice. Because when we're stuck in a situation and we can't see it, who is the best person to speak to? The people who know us the very best. I might go to someone who's very wise, who understands the world, but doesn't understand how I fit into that world. They might think objectively that job A is better than job B. They might think that, but is job A better assuming that I'm a guy who has ADHD? Am I though assuming that I'm a guy who, 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 does, who has no charisma or is not a good salesman? Do you know enough about me to answer that job A is better than job B? If you didn't wait, if you didn't ask, you gave bad advice. Your words are chol. They destroyed. They didn't build. You spoke negatively about someone. Your words are not only not kodesh and not chol. Your words are tameh. 
You spoke bad words. Words that are destructive. So my friends, if even talking about Israel is enough to bring a little comfort to someone who's suffering from a churban, even though you didn't say he's going to get it, we must recognize the power that our words have to lift people up. person is collecting money, and you tell him, Hazaku Baruch, Hashem should bless you, you're so amazing, you're so brave. Even if you didn't have money to give him, that encouragement itself is worth the world. In fact, the Gemara says that giving those words of encouragement and berachat to someone gets you more berachot than giving the person money. Now, the person might prefer your money than your advice. Right? But at the same time, the Torah is telling you something very powerful here. So, maybe a beautiful challenge for this time of year that we are in, for the next, you know, uh, a couple days until we get to Tisha B'Av, Haba Alenu Litova, inshallah, we should be zocher not to have to experience the Tisha B'Av. We should be zocher to have Mashiach before then. But during this time, to be able to try and work on the sanctity of words, on making our mouths a holy device for spirituality, for elevation. It is an amazing thing to see what happens when you start rapid-firing compliments around to people. It is an amazing thing. You could change your home. You could change your family. I still remember a guy coming uh, you know, uh, coming to speak to me to tell me how much he loves, he, he loves, he loves, he loves the synagogue, he loves this, he loves my speeches, he loves, I'm the best ever, I shouldn't, I'm, this is, you know, I can't believe it, you're like the 36 hidden Sadiqim, the guy's praising me over and above anything that I ever deserved. So you feel great, and the guy says, you know, but there's just one thing I wanted to say. And then he gave me the tiniest criticism. <laughs> Do you know what I felt like? I felt like? I felt amazing. I felt amazing. Remember that story about the princess with the pea? She's got nine mattresses. She, you know, only the, the most finicky person, only the most, you know, uh, 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 pretentious, only the most sensitive, only the most, uh, you know, uh, spoiled person on the, all those mattresses could feel that little pea. So the guy spent all this time building me up and then he gave me the thing. I was like, you know what? You're still plus 10,000 minus one. I'm, I came out of this like, you know, so good. I am beautiful, you know? What do most people do? Most people say, you know, I know you're really supposed to like kind of sandwich a, a, a negative thing, but the compliment and another compliment. But I just wanted to let you know. And then they forget that... <laughs> They forget to do the whole thing. They're like, you know, normally I like giving positive feedback, but I have to tell you, right? You know, so give the pot, right? It's amazing. This is the power that we have. And oftentimes we just let it sit in the holster and we don't take it out. We've got this weapon of mass construction. And we can just point the weapon at people and make them better and make them happier. And we have unlimited bullets your children, your wife, 
people at work, people in the synagogue. I see how you pray. It's amazing. Rosa, I see how hard you work. It's beautiful. The other day, we have this video camera. We can't find in the whole shul the stupid microphone. And people keep telling me that the audio sounds like I'm in a cave. I tell Rosa, in 10 minutes, even though I looked 50 times, in 10 minutes, Rosa finds it. I'm not going to tell her thank you publicly so everyone in, this, uh, in the world should hear. Rosa's the best. Without Rosa, we wouldn't have uh, the breakfast in the class. Forget it. Hazaku Baruch. Look at that smile. You, all of you, all of us, we're going to get to Shamaim, and Hashem's going to bring us into a room full of smiles. And you're going to say, what are all these smiles? And either of two things will happen. Either Hashem will say, these are all the smiles you caused. Da -da 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 -da. Go straight to Gan Eden. Mind the gap. Right? And you just step right in. The doors open. Or Hashem will say, these are all the smiles that you could have brought. And then the other doors open. <laughs> and there's no thing. It doesn't tell you about mind the gap. You just fall in the gap. And you descend. <laughs> Think about that. Which way do we want to go? And I don't just mean in that world. Which way do we want to go? In this world. You know, and the funniest thing is, even if you're the most selfish, horrible human being in the world, do it for selfish reasons. Well, you think your wife is not easy to live with if she's smiling? You think your wife won't buy less clothes if she's smiling? She will. She will she'll shop less. She'll need less retail therapy. You save yourself money if you make your wife happy. You save yourself yelling if you make your wife happy. You think your husband is not going to be easier to live with? If he's smiling, he comes home and you tell him, oh, he's smelling, get in the you know, If that's the way, right? If your husband comes home and you tell him, you know, you should have called me, what happened? Da -da 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 -da. You know, you, you're on, you, think, you think that's going to be a nice evening? Never mind for anybody else, even for our own world. The smiles that we generate create a better environment within which to live. So, Be'ezrat Hashem, we should be zocheh. To remember that the tongue that we have in our mouths, hahayim vehamavet biyad halashon, life and death are in the hands of the tongue. Not just everyone else's life, but also the quality of our own life is biyad halashon. May Hashem bless us to be purveyors of holy and positive language. Baruch Amen ve Amen. Rabbi.